Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast, the best place to get your New York Mets news over here at John Boy Media. And hey, your New York Mets, your 10-win New York Mets are currently the best team in baseball. Is it time to overreact, Jerry? It's never time to to (laughs) overreact like that. You can feel good when it's time to feel good. Understand that it's a long season, but your team's in first place. They have first to 10 wins. You know, it hasn't been the hardest of schedules, but not the easiest either. Uh, but you, there's so many good signs. Enjoy it, man. It's fun. You're, be, be Understand that there's a long season, but enjoy it. I'm definitely basking in it right now. Uh, the Mets have already opened a four-game lead in the NL East, which is pretty cool. Kind of a hard thing to do with only 14 games uh, into the season, but somehow we've managed that. Uh, Our New York Mets had an incredible series against a very good San Francisco Giants team that bulked up in the winter with some new pieces. And it looks like we were, you know, we were ready to stand toe to toe with a Major League Baseball Titan, which was very cool and a very good sign for this team going forward. This was this was the first test of like, you know, four tough games, teams that the, uh, the San Francisco Giants have a philosophy. They have a game plan. They're coming in every game prepared for everything. And so it was nice, nice to take, you know, three out of three out of four there. Yeah, I mean, we definitely saw some of those game plans early on in uh, some of the games here. We're going to talk about that in our series recap of the Mets take three or four. I just want to this is an exciting time for Shea Station. We are in studio. You are there in the, the new John Boy Media offices this has been a kind of a long time coming we're gonna have some like audio drops we're gonna have yeah. a couple of new segments it's crazy, so stick guys. with us they're gonna be fun we're gonna try to put some some music some li- our our man audio jack who like luis guillorme is freshly shaven i saw yes. his face a little bit no beard uh, looking jack young and spry and, and <laughs> handsome as ever uh, we'll be back in two weeks. he's gonna be dropping some buttons and, and pushing some music and some, so it's, it's going to be, it's an exciting time for the Mets and it's ex, an exciting time for Shea station. Yeah. And before we get into our, our sponsor for today's episode, I feel like I want to share a secret with our Shea station listeners because we've come so far and we've made it here. Um, I think for like basically the entirety of Shea stations existence, uh, me and Jerry have been pretend dancing to the intro and concluding <laughs> music because we couldn't hear it through our headphones because Except we never had PPPs. a setup. Except for the PPPs, right, because we were in person together. But yeah, we've been uh, we've been lying to you guys, so we apologize for all our video viewers that saw us dancing. Um, I I don't know if I did the fake dancing quite as, you know, extremely. I really did. sold it. I really tried to. Yeah, you <laughs> did a lot of a lot of this, this one. Yeah, it's like kind of my hands it's up. my white guy move, you know. Yes, yes. For as tan as you are, <laughs> yeah, you did a lot of white guy moves. Guys, today's episode is brought to you by DraftKings. Duh, come on, guys, baseball fans, it's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. Bet on your Mets. Why not? They're playing really well right now. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at stacks of green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball contests, and new customers can play free for thousands of dollars in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash 
whenever you want. So once again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY, bet just $5, and win $200 in free bets if your team wins the game. Excellent. Great job. Not too shabby. Should we talk about this series? I think I'll take yeah, game one. Yeah, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Let's skip the rain day and just ride into yeah. the doubleheader. Hell we yeah. That was kind of nice. Mets got rained out uh, on Monday, I believe. So we had a doubleheader on Tuesday. A very daunting doubleheader with a couple tough matchups. In game one, it was Tyler McGill versus a newly revamped Alex Cobb who was pumping 95 which was crazy. The Giants had a game plan versus Tyler McGill, which was swing early in the count whenever you get a pitch to hit. McGill only threw five pitches in the first inning, but his first three innings were tough as a whole. Four earned runs, six hits, a walk, and a home run in those first three innings. The Giants jumped out to a big lead. McGill's velo was a little bit down. It was a little bit brisk there. I think his confidence was wavering a little bit. But this Mets offense really has their shit together. They rallied for three runs in the fifth inning with clutch doubles from Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor. That inning, Alex Cobb also left with an injury. He hit the 10-day IL. We hope that he gets well soon. Tyler McGill responded really, really well to this adversity. His latter three innings after those first three, no earned runs, no hits, one walk. He finishes six strong. Very veteran outing from the young kid there. And then the Mets bullpen, who has looked much more tidy in recent games, they give us four innings of two uh, two hits, no earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. That's Joely, Seth, Diaz, and Otto. Uh, an outstanding stretch from Pete Alonso in the 10th inning saved a run on an errant Lindor throw. Lindor returned the favor for that save by getting the walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th. The Mets took a very emotional game one, five to four in 10 innings. Huge win. That was excellent. A couple of things. The the Pete Alonso stretch on the errant throw, the up the line throw from Lindor, that's huge for many reasons. One being Lindor can trust Pete a little bit more. He's solid, Pete's solid there, but that was a that was like a signature defensive play, like tip of his toe on replay. They called him safe because it looked live, like no doubt. But that saved the game because that prevented the run from scoring. And then in the bottom, he hit he hit the uh the walk-off single. It was wonderful. Um, and then you mentioned uh, McGill battle. So the the Giants came in with a game plan to attack early. His velo was down, but this is kind of where I expect him to sit mostly, 94 to 96, which is hilarious that that's down. Yeah. <laughs> but they they had a game plan. They, they were very patient throughout the whole season, one of the most patient teams on first pitch, but they jumped all over him because they had an idea coming in, and that's the genius of the Giants. They're like, look, we're going to get to this kid. He throws a lot of first pitch fastball strikes. Let's let's jump on it. And they did. But he the second three innings, like his last three innings were, were brilliant. Show some some guts and some some wherewithal and some some veteran understanding of the game to be able to take a breath and get back to it. Very impressive. First first win of the doubleheader. Yeah, I definitely agree. It was uh, it, it was encouraging by Tyler McGill because it's very easy to let that thing kind of just balloon and turn into a blow-up outing. But those last three innings really kept the Mets in the game and allowed the offense to you know put together that kind of rally that could tighten up the game once again. Uh, and that's the kind of thing you need out of your starting pitcher if he's going to remain in the rotation going down the stretch is to not give up on an outing after a rough start. So that was a really encouraging sign from McGill. And then, you know, hopefully he'll bounce back nicely for his next start. I think so as well. So here is game two of the doubleheader, game two of the series. If you guys know anything, it's really hard to sweep the front and back end of a doubleheader. So this was the gem of the whole series for me, Max Scherzer versus Logan Webb. If you don't know the name Logan Webb, 
look it up because this guy is going to be special for a year for a long time to come. So this was a real gene, genuine pitching battle. Um, luckily for the Mets, Max Scherzer shined. He, it's his best outing, his signature Mets outing. He ended up going seven, giving up that one earned run on one hit, three walks, and his like a millionth time getting a double digit strikeouts with 10. I think on the broadcast, Gary said it was like his 105th yeah, double digit strikeout start, which is now. unbelievable if you think about it. Um, but the 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 Mets looked great at the plate. There was a lot of two out rallies in that third inning. They had a big two run, two out double from Eduardo Escobar and an oppo single from Dom. Um, that proved to be, you know, what it was. That's Scherzer. Ended up being 3-1 Mets. Scherzer pitched. Um, he has not taken a loss in 22 consecutive decisions, which is tied for the 12th longest streak in modern baseball history. That's why. Crazy stat. Crazy. Uh, we got a beautiful uh, inning from Drew Smith. And then Trevor May came in and threw and got the save uh, to finish out the W. Uh, Drew Smith is not allowed an earned run over his last 12 and two-thirds innings dating back to last season. And Trevor May gets the save and didn't look to be bothered by that little hiccup in Philly. Overall, just an amazing, um, amazing win for the Mets to get the front and back end against Logan Webb. And this was, as we aforementioned earlier, uh, Guillaume debuted. He struggled. He was like 0 for 11, 0 for 12 to start the season. I haven't seen his face since like 2015. Uh, it was strange. It looked like I hadn't seen the sun for, for that long. Uh, and so he came out and got a knock. So shout out to him for ending it. That's what you got to do sometimes to, to rattle things up. But it was a big, big, important game to win because you get the doubleheader right off the bat in a, in a series where you know you're going to face this team four times. That was lovely. Yeah, I was in the house for the second game there, which was a lot of fun. I've never seen uh, City Field that packed on a cold, rainy Tuesday in April, but the fans were there and they were loud. And I think Max Scherzer was riding off that energy because, you know, he said in the offseason that he loves pitching in New York and he loves the energy that it brings, but he's never been on the side of being rooted for by New York. And I think that he really rode that. We know how good Max Scherzer has been at City Field. He is a no-hitter at City Field. He tortured the Mets for years, for six years uh, at our home ballpark, and I think that it's really going to become a home for him. It looked like he re- he looked really comfortable. He had a couple fly balls to the warning track, but that's kind of the benefit of City Field. A lot of balls just don't go out. Yeah, that's him too. He's a fly ball pitcher. So, yep. and uh, five and two thirds no hit innings for Max to start that uh, uh, that start on uh, Tuesday. He, uh, had huge that, win. he had that swagger going. He had that like you know walk punch out. He punched out like the third out a couple of times. And just seeing him do that like. Head down, mad dog walk. I love it. This whole series, there's just a bunch of clips of him doing like finger guns, dancing in the <laughs> dugout. I was like, who is this guy? This is not the demon that I've faced for like six years. Absolutely crazy. The Mets looked really good against a very good pitcher in Logan Webb. That two-out rally was huge. I feel like Webb probably would have gone six if we just didn't blow him up in the third there. Eddie Escobar is super clutch. Dom Smith had a great oppo liner there. Uh, and these Mets just looked like they were ready to go toe-to-toe with the National League Titan. It was a very cool day on Tuesday. Yeah, man, they they came to play. Love to see it. That's that's some of the things we were talking about with with Buck. And, you know, thank goodness he's, he's healthy. There was a little scare in this series. Um, but uh, that's what you want from a team that's that's got World Series aspirations and, and veteran leadership. This is the type of thing you want. Two nine innings. That's a long day to be at the ballpark. It's still crappy weather, so you're feeling it. And so guys just came out ready. They bounced back in game one and then showed up in game two, like right off the bat. So it was 
It was cool to see, man. Good day of baseball. So game three rolls around. We don't have Buck at the helm. He's dealing with some health issues. He is okay. Thankfully, he returned for game four. So it was the trio of coaches of Jeremy Hefner, Eric Chavez, and the bench coach of the Mets, whose name I'm forgetting, so apologies to him. Uh, Chris Bassett got this start, and the Giants used the exact same strategy they used against Tyler McGill and jumped him early and often. He had a rough uh, first two innings. He gave up four runs, including a mammoth home run to Jock Peterson. Uh, Bassett still battles. He goes six, uh, eight hits, five earned runs, one walk, six Ks, 97 pitches. He was not satisfied with this outing. Uh, we learned in postgame pressers, but, you know, he battled. I was impressed with him down the line to sort of keep the Mets in the game after that early blow up. But Carlos Rodon looked really, really good. The Mets could not touch his fastball. He could have pounded it as his only pitch the entire day, and I think he would have fared exactly the same as he did. Uh, he goes uh, five shutout innings, strikes out eight guys there. The Mets had a rally brewing in the seventh inning. First and third, uh, a Marte RBI single got them in that position. And then just, you know, poorly timed aggression, I think. I don't know if it was the coach's call or Marte on his own volition, um, but Marte went for a steal of second base, gets caught, kills the rally. The Mets leave it at 5-1. to one. But this is a Mets team that I feel like is not going to go away quietly pretty much all season. Uh, innings 7, 8 through 9, um, we had a rally going pretty much every single inning, like a threat of some sort. Uh, in the 8th, it was a, another first and third situation, a Cano ground out, and then Dom lined out to Wilmer Flores, who just leapt and, make a, and made a great catch. Um, that probably would have been a two-run single to make it 5-4. to four. Instead, it remains 5-2. to two. Uh, Jake McGee came on. He lo- he shut down the door there. We uh, challenged a double play. We got through it, and then Lindor struck out to end the game. Uh, the big takeaways here for me are Jason Shreve, another scoreless frame for him. Sean Reed Foley, who uh, kind of had some tough luck earlier on, got, uh, got batted around in the Philly series. He bounced back with two shutout innings to close this game, uh, but the Mets do lose game three, five to two, but came back strong for game four, so good for them. Yeah, game three was was interesting. Rodon, like you mentioned, just was dominant. He looked great. But this is what a good team does. They get to the bullpen. He only lasted five innings. And then they tried to rally back. They were in positions to win the game, to, to battle. I love that after the game, Bassett was like, I'm, you know, what are you going to learn from this? I'm not going to learn anything from yeah, this. I, I love that I hate answer. It. I, I was terrible. You know, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to learn anything. Like he is learning something and it's, he just doesn't want to admit that in a loss, like it doesn't feel good. Great. I, I, the more and more, like I'm happy that fans on the Mets, because I talked about it this whole offseason, how excited it was going to be for the Mets fans to get introduced to Chris Bassett. And he's showing like the full gamut of his personality, like his honesty, his his forthcomingness. Like, I just, I'm not going to learn anything from this. I, I sucked. Like, yeah, sorry. Like, I feel like crazy. every time we see pitchers talking in the dugout or like looking at the iPad or whatever, Chris Bassett is in the middle of that conversation. He's going to be in the middle of the hitters too. He's going to get in there. You learn so much stuff from everybody. It's it's and it's contagious because he's a fun, easy to be around guy. And so it really helps um, that rallies the, there was a, the Wilmer Flores return and he steals a, a, a huge opportunity from Dom Smith, who who's looked good. He had two hits in game in game two um, and then came back and had this like line drive the other way. Um, and Wilmer went up and got it. Uh, we had chances to win, chances to to extend the game, and that's all you want. You want to you want a chance to 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 get a W, and it just came up a little short. Yeah, I think that a loss like this hurts a lot less than the loss in Philly because that was a game that was right in our palm. Whereas this game, you know, we had our chances to succeed and bring uh, bring it close again. But the Giants are a very good team, and they they just played better defense. They had great pitching. It felt like we got outplayed. Yep, yep, and that's going to happen in a four-game set with a good team. So uh, that moves us to game four. This was the 
Cookie versus Desclafani. Nice. Nailed it. Battle. Yeah. So we Cookie versus Disco. I mean, that's that sets it up pretty perfect. And Cookie was incredible. He came out on fire. Like he looked great. He ended up going seven and two thirds, four hits, two earned runs, the one in the, the eighth, the solo home run, zero walks and seven punch outs. Pure dominance. That's what it was. Um, just a wonderful battle. Uh, the Mets ended up taking this one six to two. You got home runs from Lindor, who apparently is a DH extraordinaire. Apparently. It got a home run from Lindor. Eddie Escobar came in and got a big home run. The Mets jumped out early. Mark Canna looking great, brings in two RBI with a two out to open it up to five one and give him a little bit of breathing room. It let him, it let Cookie go into the seventh, into the eighth inning because they don't need to, to change it up if he gives up a run here or there. Um, at one point, Cookie retired 18 straight batters. Uh, he just looked dominant. He really did. He's looked great every single start. It's so refreshing to see and such a, a good person who's battled through a lot to, to look like he's at 100%. It really helps this Mets team. Uh, he has 20 Ks and only two walks and three starts. That is wonderful. Um, multi-hit games from the freshly shaven Luis Guillorme, from Pete Alonso, from Mark Canna and Francisco Lindor. And then to cap off the W, Edwin Diaz comes in and strikes out two in a perfect ninth inning. He looks Spot on. There's so many so things. There's so many question marks in this Met season, things that we needed. And Edwin Diaz being as sharp as he's been is one of the main keys because it was such a big question mark. And he has looked, I hope everybody has been, you know, at ease a little bit more when Diaz comes into the game because he, he looks incredible. Yeah, I mean, there there are so many awesome takeaways from this game four. Obviously, the biggest one is that the Mets took three or four from last year's best team in baseball in the regular season. That is a huge victory. We, we have one more series against San Francisco, but to get off on the right foot like this and achieve and succeed in your first true challenge is such an encouraging sign for the team. Obviously, Cookie Carrasco looked amazing. I think the Mets offense really paved the way for him. You got that standing O coming off the field. That was and he lovely. deserved it. The Mets very absolutely turned. deserved it. That was great to see. The big thing for Cookie for me so far is that, one, the first innings have looked a lot better, which is great because that was what played him last year. Another thing is that the Giants really bullied him uh, last year in his start, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And then the other thing is that uh, he has 20 strikeouts, only two walks on his three starts so far in the season. So he's really controlling the zone. If you're going to hit Cookie, you're going to have to, you know, attack him right back. And he's not afraid to challenge guys after that rough last year where his velo was a little bit down, his pitches weren't zipping uh, the same way that they used to. This looks like the Cookie that we saw uh, in 2018 and prior in Cleveland. And, like, it just makes that trade all the more better because he was, like, you know, the add-on to the trade. But he, he can really be a true number two, number three in this rotation if he's reaching this kind of potential. Yeah, I mean, he looks every bit the part, the guy that, that we needed. Um, so he's fitting in great. He's a huge member and a huge piece of this run that we've had the first to 10 wins. Um, you got to feel good as a Mets fan. You got to feel good moving forward because it's everything, all the parts that you needed have been great. And some of the parts that we were like, uh, curious about, you know, Jeff McNeil looks like he's returned. Um, you know, Mark Hanna's as advertised Starling Marte still kind of a little bit wavery. I think he's putting a little bit of pressure on himself to kind of steal some bags because he got the big paycheck. He stole 47. That's an exciting part of the game. So I think he might be, be a little more selective now, but again, this is what a good team does. Other, other pieces step up and, and pick up the loss. He hasn't been bad in any sense. He's been really good. Um, but 
the speed aspect of his base running. I don't think we need it as of yet. It's going to be a disruptor moving forward. He's going to be a big part. His speed is still great. Um, and you're going to get those things where he, you know, he gets thrown out to end a rally. It is what it is because if he gets it, it's a huge boost, whatever the case may be, but man, all the pieces look great. Eddie Escobar looks incredible. I was going to say, take a deep breath because he looks like he's the, the guy that we traded and signed to that 10 year deal. Awesome. A huge moment for me uh, personally was the Mark Canna two-run single in the third because you had the Lindor single, you had the Jeff McNeil double that looked like it was going to be a home run. We got to see him yell, fuck me, as he ran into the bases, <laughs> which I loved. Love that they showed that on replay because they didn't have to. Uh, but then you had uh, Alonzo and Eddie not come through in that spot. And the 2021 Mets, when I think about that team, I think about that team leaving runners on and not taking the runs where they can get them. That is an issue that plagued us, especially through August when we couldn't buy a win to save our lives. That Mark Canna hit, you know, maybe in the grand scheme of things, it's not as huge. It makes it a five to one game. It opens the lead, but then it allows Cookie to go deeper into the game. And then it allows you to save the bullpen a little bit. And you're going to need your bullpen on Sunday because we have a spot starter going on Sunday. And that's probably going to be a bullpen game. And that is just like a long lasting effect of just one simple at bat from Arcana coming through when we needed him. And it changes the outlook of an entire future game, which I thought was really interesting. So huge hit. Uh, by him. And that's just not what the 2021 Mets did. And I feel like that's the difference uh, from season to season here. Cool. Uh, I love that you highlighted that Mark Canna has looked incredible hitting the ball the other way, hitting, pulling his hands in, pulling it. He just, he's a complete hitter. He's got an idea. He's a professional. Um, and that's the depth of the Mets lineup. That's the, as a pitcher, there is no letting up. You get the two big boppers um, with RBI opportunities, they didn't come through. And then you 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 try to take a deep breath. And then you have Mark Canna up at the plate, just spoiling shit for you. Like, it's pretty frustrating. It can pile on to guys. Uh, and that's what we wanted. We wanted that depth, that that deep lineup. These are, these are signature kind of Mets moments that are the difference. Like you mentioned, you're like multiple years in the past, it's runners with scoring position. Um, and you, you wrote it down in our notes here, nine for 32 in this series with runners in scoring position, that's 281. And there were seven two out RBI from them. That's those are big deals. Those are backbreakers for teams because you're almost out of it. And in a series of four games against some really talented pitching, um, that's, that's a telltale sign of, uh, you have a quality team. And after being a, a bottom 10 team in two out RBIs last year, the Mets lead the major leagues in two out runs this year with 31 so far. They also lead in runs and hits as well with 66 and 117. This is an offensive lineup that has their shit together. They're cohesive. They're feeding off each other. We've put out a lot of different lineups. Luis Guillorme started three games this series, which was kind of shocking to me. But at the same time, it just seems to be working. Like Jeff McNeil responded really well to moving from second base to left field to second in the lineup, to first, to third, to eighth, to ninth. He's bounced all around only 14 games into the season. But with this kind of lineup, with all these table setters and guys that are getting these clutch two-out hits, that kind of thing can work. And I really I really think that's just the uh, the brain of Buck right there. I, I, guess. I agree. And, and you know, we, we lost Canna and Nemo for a couple of days, so it was nice to see them get back in and step right back up and look comfortable. Nemo looked great. Obviously, we, we highlighted Canna. Uh, but the Mets bullpen, who's kind of still been a little bit of a question mark, you know, we've we've seen some hiccups from Trevor May um, and Seth Lugo, but over the last five games, they've gone 15 innings, only given up five hits in 15 innings, six walks and 16 punch outs. 
Uh, that's wonderful. That's a, that's a great run of the last five games. You give up zero runs in 15 innings. That's excellent. Absolutely. And like, you know, that was the key in game one and game one kind of set the tone for the rest of the series. In my opinion, if you don't get those four shutout innings from those guys, um, the game gets away from you pretty easily because the giants bullpen is that good. Uh, also, how about this Francisco Lindor staff from James Shiano, a good friend who does the Mets up podcast with, uh, uh, Mark Luino, uh, Francisco Lindor hit his fourth home run in the uh, game four of the set. Uh, that was on April 21st last year. It took him till May 29th to get his fourth home run. So that is just the change in slugging for, uh, for Francisco Lindor this year, who's drawn walks, hitting doubles gap to gap, and also hitting the ball at the park. It's awesome. I agree. And I want to shout out that Mets up podcast because they have two of the best Twitter handles ever. Oh yeah. Uh, with James being at Jeter had no range and Mark <laughs> being at giraffe neck Mark. Like it's great. <laughs> they do Those a great job. They beat Good friends at Jerry Blevins and at Jolly Olive. So yeah, we're kind of vanilla compared to them, I guess. Yeah, I that's know. fair. I'll, I'll, I'll take it, but that's, step up you know, again. giraffe neck Mark. I got a little, some giraffe neck you a know, little bit. characteristics, but we're good. I could see it. I think your neck is longer than his, right? So I feel like it should be Giraffe I mean, Neck Jerry. Probably straight up measured. But I shockingly have a super thick neck. Every time I get measured, like for a shirt or a suit, um, they're like, they do it three times. They're like, there's no way because, yeah, they're like, <laughs> we have oh, nothing I got a that lot fits of, you. I get a dig, uh, a dense skull real thick. So it's got to be able to hold that head up. So were you like dropped as a baby? Is that what we're probably, talking about? Probably. That would explain okay. so many things. Yeah, I, th- I think it would actually. Let's Jerry. move on. Is it time? I think it's time. We are about to unveil the newest segment for the Shea Station podcast. You want to tell us the title since you thought of it? I did. We are. The title is Apple of Our Eye. Uh. (laughs) It's beautiful. So we're going to highlight our favorite player. Uh, Jolly will do one. I will do one uh, of the series um, since, you know, every podcast is, is each uh, a recap of a series and a preview of the new one. We're going to highlight the the person that caught our eye, the apple mm. of our eye. Um, mm. And I will go first. Yeah, you should do the honors. I That's will go baby. first. It is my my guy, Double E, Eduardo Escobar. Man, it was fun to watch him kind of shine in this series. He's been a little bit overshadowed in the acquisitions kind of in general. I think people have over you know overlooked him for, for a lot of things this year. Um, but he blossomed. He hit his first home run, a big one uh, in, in this series. He went six for 13, two doubles, a home run, three RBI, three walks on the year. So he, he drew his 12th walk of the season in, the, in game four. Uh, he didn't draw 12 walks until May 29th of last season. So if that's a number of games, like it's not even comparable. And this year is OPS on the whole year, not just the series, is 1,055. 1.055 OPS. What an acquisition. What an overlooked person. Like the the teams, he hasn't been highlighted hardly ever except for true, you know, dynamite Mets fans. Um, but six for 13 is, is a wonderful series. And that big home run that he hit, he was so excited to hit that home run. Uh, you could see it take a big sigh of relief for him. And he's just a, an on-base machine, man. He, he leads the National League with seven doubles as well. So doubles, 12 walks the guy's just getting it done he's protecting pete um so i i wanted to eduardo escobar as the apple of my eye a little round of applause for eduardo escobar oh little <laughs> shortcut there let's try it again a little round of applause another one 
Yeah. That's it. Okay. We're we're working on it. All right. My Apple uh, Apple is going to go to someone else. I thought about Francisco Lindori at a great series. Seven for 19, two doubles, a home run, three ribbies, 1.034 OPS on the year. I'm going to change mine uh, because this outing uh, meant a lot to me as a Mets fan and a human being because I love great human beings, as Jerry knows, as Jerry does as well. Mine is going to go to Cookie Carrasco um, because if you listen to our PPP on Cookie, I was very, like, walking on eggshells. Wasn't sure what we were going to get out of him. Wasn't sure if he was healthy. But the one thing that I kept saying is that out of everyone that I, like, followed on social media and checked in on every day with our Mets, I never saw somebody training and working every day as hard as Carlos Carrasco during the offseason. Because that, I think that is how badly he wanted to prove that he can still do it at the major league level. He had a really tough uh, 2021 season. I think he came back too early, did it for the Mets team that needed some length, needed some innings, and he got roughed up because of it. And I think that that altered Mets fans' perception of what this guy is capable of. And in a rotation with Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, and a resurgent Tyler McGill, who's really having a standout sophomore season, the best pitcher in our rotation right now is Carlos Carrasco. And I think that's so amazing because his story is already amazing as is. But this is like a dream come true for me because this is maybe the most likable guy on the Mets. A a Mets team full of likable guys. And Cookie Carrasco is the one that, you know, touches my soul the most most there. Seven and two-thirds innings, four hits, two earned runs, seven Ks, no walks. Love a starter that doesn't allow any walks. And that's great. It's like one of my favorite things. Cookie retired 18 guys in a row. He was making this Giants lineup that tortures pitcher, pitchers and are just pests to every team they face. He made them look lost. They had no game plan for him. His slider and changeup were working beautifully. His fastball has that zip again. And Cookie is really back, and it just changes the whole outlook of this rotation. It gives you, it, it gives you this number two to number three caliber pitcher that you weren't sure that you had. And then you also have DeGrom and Scherzer and Bassett on top of that. And that just makes that one through four for a playoff series, like, lethal. Like, there's no breathing room for hitters anywhere if Cookie is this kind of pitcher all year. So I'm not, I'm rooting for Cookie more than probably any other Mets player right now, and it's just been awesome to see how terrific he's been so far. So Cookie gets the apple of my eye. Round of applause. <laughs> uh, just three hard <laughs> claps, if that's good. I love it, man. I love that you picked Cookie because – uh he deserves it man uh his line was really good but it actually doesn't show how effective he was um because the the Mets fans they're great they they gave him a a standing all on his way off the field and it really was deserved it was like a moment um where he was just like he deserved that the Mets fans were excited for him uh it's been wonderful and if he so we're in New York correct yeah this is home of Sesame Street if we can't get Cookie Carrasco, who's an amazing story, like you mentioned, a cancer survivor, like uh, just a, a great guy. If we can't get him onto Sesame Street with Cookie Monster, where there's some type of interaction, then, then we're what failing. are we doing? Like, what are what we, are we doing? doing? Like, what are we doing? That would be because in my head, every time you said Cookie, I'm thinking Cookie. Cookie. Cookie, cookie. <laughs> like, I think that would be a wonderful thing. We need, we, need to, uh, we need to set that up. And that's yeah, one of the joys about life. being in New York. That is a legit possibility. And he's a he's a dad himself. So to get on Sesame Street, that would be wonderful. His kids would love it, probably, you know. All right. Awesome. You want to I move agree. on to our second new segment? New segment. Also, are we your gonna, idea. Are we going to do this every week or is this kind of just spotlighting? 
I think it's not something we've done a, uh, done enough. So I feel like when it catches our attention, we should. We have a lot of a lot of great listeners on our show that interact with all of our posts and reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. And I feel like Jerry specifically wants a spotlight for those people. And I, I agree that I think it's a good idea because, you know, Shea Station, you know, I, I had some growing pains and now it's turned into a show that I think we're both really proud of. And that's because of you guys, because of the listeners. So we both have one person that we want to shout out this week. Jerry, if you want to, if you want to lead in, cause I saw yeah, your interaction. I'll, I'll do it. I, it's something that, that caught my eye. It's no offense to anybody else I've interacted with, but this one's pot, like this one was it. So his name at on Twitter is at Dylan Burke 27. Uh, he is a Mets fan living in Japan. So he's in Zama, which is outside of uh, the Tokyo Yokohama area. Um, and that one day that we did the 6 a.m. recording just to get it out because we had some things going on, uh, we got a text at Chase Station that said, really appreciate that 6 a.m. grind from Jolly and Jerry. I live in Japan, so it's nice to have it out by the time I drive to work. That's what we're here for, man. That's what we're here for. So shout out to Dylan Burke, 27. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in to us and I'm sure the other listeners and, and hopefully um, we get to interact with you and enjoy. Let's go uh, Mets from Japan. Yeah, man, that's so crazy. Uh, mine's going to be uh, at the underscore Koala for on Twitter. Nick Kowal interacts with all of our Shea Station posts. Been like a listener from, I think, the first episode. He's always in our replies, always bumping our stuff. So I really appreciate Nick if you're listening, which you probably are because you're a big Shea Station guy, as we know. Longtime fan, longtime Mets fan, huge John Boy guy. So shout out our friend Nick there. And thank you to everyone that has been listening uh, week in and week out. Our Philadelphia episode did extremely well. Uh, something like 5,000 plays on that episode, which was a crazy new high for us. Uh, so, yeah, guys, it's been a thrill. And uh, the Mets have been playing really well. So they're just a fun team to talk about right now, for sure. Let's let's thank you. We, we plan on doing more of that. So let's jump into our series probables. Uh, we're playing the... Arizona Diamondbacks again. Let's go. Not too long ago. Let's go. So this one's exciting because we're going to see Madison Baumgartner, the kind of newly, um, he looks a little bit like his old self coming back. So that should be a good battle. Um, So, but in game one, we got David Peterson against Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen did pretty well against us. Four innings, only two hits, one walk, two Ks. Um, He's got that big curveball. He looks sharp, kind of diced us up for his brief outing. At the same time, David Peterson looked pretty good in his go against the Arizona Diamondbacks, four and a third, no one runs, three hits, two walks, four Ks, so he gets to face them again. As you guys know from the last series uh, we played against them, this is not a, a lethal lineup. They're not going to put up huge runs on you. They do have some sneaky good pitchers in their rotation with guys like Mad Bum and Zach Gallen, but with this Mets lineup that has put together solid rallies with two outs or no outs or whatever uh, happens in that inning, uh, I don't think it's anything that will outmatch us by any means. Yeah, so in game two, we got uh, the bullpen game that we talked about. Uh, probably, probably going to be Trevor Williams representing the bullpen uh, going against Umberto Castellanos. Uh, Castellanos against the Mets with four innings, gave up no runs, one hit, three walks, and only one K. He looked pretty good. He has that, you know, odd arm angles. He, he mixes it up. But again, anytime you face a, a guy for the second time, especially this rapid, uh, it benefits the lineup. And our lineup stacked up against these guys, I'm, I'm a big fan of, so. Yeah, I don't see T-Will probably going more than three or four innings here in the best-case scenario. And then the Mets' bullpen is well-rested. They only threw 10 in the third innings in the last four games because of the length we're currently getting from our starters, especially Cookie, who went seven and two-thirds in the final game of that set. Um, So that'll be a bullpen game uh, for game two there. Game three is the real, the meaty matchup here. It's Tyler McGill versus Madison Bumgarner. Mets fans have some troubling memories of Madison uh, Bumgarner, of course, from 2016. This is a different Mad Bum 
entirely, but he's looked pretty good this season. 13 innings, two earned runs allowed, eight hits, 10 walks, nine strikeouts. The walks is the big thing for me here because I, this is a Mets team that's walking a ton and taking really good at-bats. So Mad Bump's the kind of guy that you can get out in maybe three or four innings if you're working great counts against him and uh, staying patient at the plate. Yeah, so this should be a, a telling series. We're getting Tyler McGill, who's kind of bouncing back from his roughest, easily his roughest of the year. Yeah. Uh, but he looked good going in. The He's never faced any of the Diamondbacks guys, so that'll be kind of new. Um, James McCann has done well for his career against Mad Bomb, two for five with a homer and four RBI. And Jeff McNeil himself is four for 10 off Mad Bomb. But again, we don't know what version we're going to get. He's looked pretty good. This, our lineup is, you know, we should, we should do well against, against the Diamondbacks. Yet again, I'm, you know, you want to win a series, so two out of three is is what you need. But this could easily be another sweep. Um, yeah. So that that's you know moving forward, these are the the expectations the Mets have put upon themselves. Yeah, Mad Bomb faced, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, the Padres and the Nationals, and I do believe our lineup is better than both of those teams. So I think it'll be a little bit uh, more challenging for him. And yeah, the main goal here is just win every series. That's what we've done so far. We've taken at least two of every three game set. We took three uh, against the Giants there. And just keep that momentum going. Uh, we didn't sweep the Diamondbacks last time, but we kept the momentum going. I think it really helped us in the San Francisco series. And then after this, we have the Cardinals coming up, and that'll be a much bigger challenge. We get the Phillies again as well. So, I mean, the, you know, the Mets get a little breather here, but then it's back to sort of those higher echelon teams. Yep, so this is a got to take two or three here against a, an inferior team to to give us a chance against the better, cha- uh, better team. So this is... Uh, the last of the little, you know, blips, but we got to continue what we've been doing as the team and being prepared and putting the pressure on right away, take advantage of your better team and don't let up because these are the ones that'll get away from you. And then in September, when you're chasing down the pennant or a playoff spot or trying to get first seed, um, these are the games that'll haunt you. So it's important to, to get out and get, get it, get the W's. Yeah. And then around the NL East, uh, we have the Nationals facing off against the Giants. They're at home. Uh, Philadelphia will host Milwaukee. That's a really good pitchers versus hitters kind of matchup, so keep your eye on that. And then the Fish, they open a set with the Braves. The Mets have this four-game lead right now. We have uh, division uh, rivals not really playing each other except for the Fish and Braves, so hopefully you can expand that lead even further. Just give yourself as much of a cushion as you can early in the season. It is a long season, but, you know, every game counts. Now, I'm not looking at the NLE standings myself, but you can if you want. That's not oh, yeah. for me. I'm, I'm looking at the health and the, the performance of the team. Uh, that's just my player personality. Uh, this is how you have to do it. You can't be scoreboard watching just quite yet. So I haven't quite switched over completely to the retirement side, the non-playing side. So I'm still like, hey, this is focus on our team and see where we are. And then eventually, you know, you can start scoreboard watching. But I'll let you do that, Jolly. Yeah, we need a good contrast for the pod, man. We can't be exactly the same. We already agreed too much as it is, you know? Awesome, man. All right, man. You got anything else? I don't. Thanks for tuning in, man. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, This has been fun. This feels like the beginning of a a good run for us on Shea Station because we're really starting to get into that new studio. We're starting to understand our format a little bit better. So if you're a loyal listener and been here, uh, we definitely appreciate you. If you have feedback for our style, whatever the case, we love to interact on Twitter. Um, so hit us up. If you like something, don't like anything, we're, we're here. So, so, you know, fire away. Hit us up. I like that. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Shea Station. We'll see you guys again on Monday to recap the Diamondback series. Hopefully a series win. 
And uh, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. And Jerry can hear the music. Now. I was going to say, are you going to fake dance? But I can actually hear the music. Strike <laughs> three. A career high 15 strikeouts for Jacob DeGrom. Alonzo to his left. Flip to DeGrom. And the ball game is over.